I'm Elliot Glazer. I'm Brent Sullivan. And I'm H. Allen Scott. We're here. We're queer. Meh. Textual healing. Okay, so... Oh, go ahead, Elliot. Brent. Oh, excuse me. How dare you cut me off? Uh, so the LA Times um, wrote a piece titled, It's a Sad and Scary Time for LGBTQ Students and Their Parents. And the piece details the great lengths through which Republicans have gone to, quote, shield young Americans from what they see as undue pressure to identify as gay, lesbian, non-binary, or transgender, or accept those who do. So these efforts, um, which we've all sort of heard about, you know, obviously Florida's infamous don't say gay bill. Um, uh, these efforts are sort of with an eye towards the midterms. State lawmakers have proposed at least 238 discrimi discriminatory bills targeting LGBTQ students, athletes, and curricula in the first three months of 2022 compared with only 41 from the year 2018. Can I just jump in, just yeah. jump in for a second? So like, basically what you're saying here is that Republicans have taken a political, have, have taken like a page from a political playbook in, tr in trying to not necessarily appear homophobic, but instead to essentially give permission to kids to not have to identify as something that's just not like cis and straight. Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of these bills, um, like I, I actually was gonna say in the article, they talked about one of the most nefarious ones that I hadn't heard about, which was Governor uh, Abbott in Texas signed a directive, oh. which has actually since been blocked by an appeals court, but that would encourage people to report members of the community mm -hmm. who they suspect helped a child receive gender affirming health care like that yeah. is to me that's Insane. like by far the craziest of well, all of these bills you know what's the, the weird thing about it is so often you know the republican party is the party of small government it's supposed to be at least and and that is that's that's sort of the the definition of the republican party you know take the government out of my pocket kind of thing or bedroom or whatever it may be and and now it seems like because of, you know, the midterm elections ramping up and because of all these cultural wedge issues that they're sort of, uh, you know, hunkering down on in order to get voters out and inspired to be active and engaged and then, of course, ultimately vote, that a lot of these things like the don't say gay bill is essentially creating a big government response to 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 this widespread social acceptance that that was actually something i was going to say was it like they lost the culture war basically in the 2010s and instead of kind of putting that aside uh as i sort of suspected they would eventually do they're all they're doing is now they're regulating speech <laughs> such that uh such that you can't like kids can't hear even vaguely affirming things about being lgbtq Q or you, um, and you know, I, I I I just find it insane. It's that, and it's what's crazy is that like they're tr they're trying to, it's I mean it's actually like laughable. They're trying to 
police language so that we that people that kids can't say hear these things but at the same time and again correct me if i'm wrong but it feels almost like they're doing it in a sort of like contrarian slash joe rogany way where they're trying to not necessarily be outwardly homophobic but they're trying to sort of erase the erase the existence of it or, or like or like silence it but not necessarily come out and say gay people are bad yeah they're just I, saying I, I hear that point I, yeah I, I wouldn't say they lost the culture war though only because i do think in you know amongst media amongst in, in sort of the culture in general you know, you have like corporate America, et cetera, is very much within the progressive side, I would say, of, of thinking. But that said, Donald Trump was still elected president. We still have an incredible amount of, inf I mean, Ron DeSantis signed this bill, the Don't Say Gay bill, into law. And it is, of course, you know, being challenged and the courts are going to do what they do, but it's still law. And it's, it's, so things are happening. I mean, these are, these bills are passing and being signed into law. And isn't there would, one like pending in Virginia now? And I would argue, yeah. And, and it probably will pass because there's a Republican governor in, in Virginia. And so I would argue that sure, amongst cultural in terms of the media, yes, they're not, you know, succeeding, but in terms of laws being passed, I would say they're actually doing a good job within the cultural well, world. Yeah, so the, the argument that I was making is that I think if you poll Americans on sort of sure. broad LGBT rights issues and well well beyond marriage equality, I mean like workplace discrimination, housing discrimination, I think I my suspicion, and, and I know for a fact for some of these, you'll find broad swaths of the of population. Course. But those yeah. polls yeah. don't matter anything when laws are if, being passed yeah. into law and, and they're harming, you know, or, or affecting different people. And so, like, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. you, that, that would be a huge part of the culture war. I do think we should at least point out that there are a few Republicans that have pushed back. Uh, Utah Governor Spencer Cox recently vetoed a bill that would ban transgender teens from playing girls' sports. He had to because he of chose, his name. Saying he chose, quote, kindness, mercy, <laughs> and compassion over politics. His veto was overridden by uh, the state legislature. And also Indiana uh, Republican Governor Eric Holcomb vetoed a similar bill. Also because um, of his name. Do you think your <laughs> do you think your um, nieces and nephews, uh, you know, they're kind of around the same age-ish, like prepubescence, yeah, whatever. Anyway, do you think that where they are, <laughs> respectively, in St. Louis and in, in well Boston, mm -hmm. that they would be that 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 they're going to essentially be facing homophobia in the way that this article? projects it to and again i know that's not right you know, like the I, governors, I, but. I know i know that like my my uh, nephew has said things in the past where I, I forget if my brothers witnessed this or just like something or maybe my parents but uh whenever it's been mentioned that there are there's a girl girl toys or boy boy toys augie always goes there's no such thing as girl toys and boy toys <laughs> oh wow <laughs> yeah he, he's definitely mentioned that before yeah um and so, but you know, they're in you know fairly progressive suburbs of yeah. Boston. So I I don't I don't know how much that is. Or I mean, obviously his, his parents are progressive. So. What about Missouri? Missouri. Yeah, I don't think that sentence would ever come out of my niece and nephew's mouth. Oh, I, I think, how dare they! And I do think I mean I, while I don't think that I think they will grow up to be more accepting of queer people, of course, because you know I'm in the family and all those things. But that said they're still in a community of people where they're hearing things and their uh, minds are being shaped in a certain way that are like, 
you know, there are, there is a gender binary and that this is the world that they live in and that certain things they can do. And like, I look at what my niece does and what my nephew does. And they're very along the lines of sort of the traditional boy girl roles and which is fine, which is totally, totally fine for them if that's what they authentically want to choose and go in that path. But it's like, in terms of queer conversations, I, I think they're accepting of people being queer but when it becomes sort of like, and this is what I think Republicans are doing so well right now is they're making it about the kids and the kids yeah. are irrelevant to all of this and of they don't care and they're not being impacted by any of this. All they want to do is, is play the dumb games and like to do, I mean, literally like my niece is sitting there in a Google chat document, like a Google doc just like commenting back and forth with her friend on like stupid gossipy things about class stuff. And that's what these kids are doing. That's all they want to do is like yeah, gossip and have like, fun and yeah. be silly with each other. And it's, and, and they're making it about, so I don't know. I don't know. The children. I don't know what about the children. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's certainly going to have some impact in the sense that it's real. Yeah. I, I do think it's unfortunate to hear that Alan's nieces and nephews are bigots, but all right. Hey, careful now. <laughs> Don't worry, they're not listening. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're not listening. <laughs> not even joking. We are so excited to have like literally three amazing people from probably besides our own podcast, one of the best ideas for a podcast, I think <laughs> I've heard in a very long time, the host of Cruising. I'm going to have, since there's three of them, I'm going to have each one of you please introduce yourselves. So let's start with Rachel. Hi, I'm Rachel. Uh, my pronouns are she, her, hers, and I'm a cr- producer of Cruising Podcast. Love it. Nice. Jen? Hi, I'm Jen McGinnity. I'm also a cruising podcast producer. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And then finally, Sarah. Hi, I'm Sarah Gabrielli. My pronouns are she, they, and I am producer, editor, host of Cruising Podcast. Love it. Well, welcome. So the premise is you guys are visiting every lesbian bar in the United States, which shockingly, there aren't many. Yeah. So, so you guys, I mean, but you know, there's a lot of footwork involved, but it is, a, it's, it's mind blowing. I mean, I was reading on your website, there are on record 25 in the United States out of thousands of other queer bars. Yeah. In the US. How wild is that? I, and I want to add to that, like, <clears throat> I've said this to them before, but like, we've talked about this a bunch in this podcast, because we just can't believe it. Like, it just, it's such a bizarre, and it's such a, it's so tragic but it's like, I feel like it's not talked about enough. And so I'm so excited that you guys focus on it because it's, it really is, it really is a staggering, um, a staggering amount of, of gay, of lesbian bars. It's crazy. Yeah. So how did it start? How did this whole thing start? Um, so basically we'd been searching for a podcast topic for a while, like lots of brainstorming sessions. We all like bring sort of different production things to the table and then a little over a year ago this kind of made headlines it's probably when you guys heard about it as well there were a couple articles about there only being like 12 left and now now people have found a bit more and Mm -hmm. so all being queer women who like love our local lesbian bar we were like this is the podcast the the podcast Mm. found us so Mm -hmm. we had Mm -hmm. to go for it and I mean, what's your local lesbian bar? Like what? I mean, let's give a shout out to that, of course. Mm. Well, shout out. 
to Cubby Hole, which is our first uh, episode, and like that one's in Manhattan, yeah, and then yeah, we're in Brooklyn. One, yeah. So the are like the one that's really really close to us is Gingers in Brooklyn in Park Slope. Okay, so all right, so there's tw- there's 25 bars. Are they truly scattered across the the continental United States, or are they basically just on the coasts? They're they're actually. Um, I would say the majority of them are actually throughout the South. Uh, they're oh, not whoa. concentrated Fun. on the coast as you might. I mean, we kind of had that expectation too, yeah. like as we started doing some research for the podcast, you know, yeah. like the liberal coast, that's where all the lesbian bars are going to yeah. be. Ended up not really being the case. Um, we think and have been told by many other people on the road that it's uh, because there are more lesbian bars in more conservative states or areas like places where they're more needed um, by the community. So there's definitely, you know, there's uh, three in New York City or two in Manhattan, one in Brooklyn. And then there's a couple down the West Coast, none in LA that we know of. Um, (laughs) Uh, There used to be, but it closed, I think, shortly Mm -hmm. before the pandemic. Yeah. Um, yeah. But then there's, you know, there's three in Oklahoma and two in Texas and one in Alabama oh, and one in Tennessee. Why, why yeah. do you think that is? Well, we um, think that they're, they're more necessary there. Like that's, mm. that's one of, we've kind of run into a bunch of different theories as to why so many have closed. And one of them is that you can be gay, like almost anywhere now. And especially like on the coast. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I remember taking a trip to Burlington, Vermont, when I lived in New York, I took the train up and I pulled into because like one of my favorite things to do was I, I liked going to kind of small, smaller cities and going to the gay bar and seeing people you would basically never see again. Because um, that's the only kind of person I take my shirt off in front of someone <laughs> I never have to look at uh, again. But I arrived in Burlington. This was probably around 2010. And I, I got off the train and I got in, into a cab and I was like, take me to the nearest gay bar. And again, the cab driver's in like- In that voice. Like in yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> the cab driver's like, oh, it just closed. We don't need it here. We're too progressive. Oh, <laughs> I sure, remember- sure. And I remember being annoyed because it's, it's, it's not, yes, that's a, great, that's a great message for the world to, to, to see. But for me, it's just about efficiency. You know, yeah. I don't want to go to just a regular bar and look for one or two people. I want to go to a gay bar. You know, Although, we, and, and the crazy thing about New York, too, is we have they have three left because there used to be like seven lesbian bars. Yeah, you yeah. know, when I was going to lesbian bars like every day of the week in the in the late 90s and early 2000s, there was one a different one to go to each night. Yeah. Um, and it just three remain now. What so happened in New York to the lesbian bars, you think? Like why? I mean, of course, it's probably the same trend that's happening in other major cities. But you would think like a city like New York with such a defined queer scene would have a thriving amount of people going to bars. Yeah, I just, I, I, I think the culture sh- shifted. I, you know, they, mm-hmm. there's smaller ones like Meow Mix that, I don't know why that didn't last, but there was a ginormous one in Brooklyn called Caddyshack. It was two yes. levels. It was a blast. Had an I outdoor deck. Caddyshack. I remember It was that. so good and so much yeah. fun. Um, I think there was some like, you know, ownership turmoil and it kind of just fizzled out but um I, I think you know the decrease around the country it also happened in new york it just didn't completely abolish them because there were so many so we still Did have you, three i mean I, I used to go to the cubby hole all the time the cubby hole was like i mean when, when i lived in new york we would, we would start and sort of whenever we were doing like anything west village the cubby hole and i feel like the cubby hole is sort of like 
the lesbian bar in the, it's sort of like the we the abbey for us like well, the abbey is what, like such well, a defined it, gay bar gay man's bar cubby hole has become sort of the lesbian bar in the, yeah. in the u.s what about uh henrietta hudson's does that still thrive in the in the village yeah big time yeah, yeah. It does. they just she, like remodeled rebranded Mm. And then I used to also think that Cubbyhole was like the staple, but then a lot of people like around the country were talking about Henrietta's oh, and Lisa Canastrosi, the the woman that owns it. So I think maybe that's like I don't know to to some to a lot of lesbians that's like the iconic lesbian mm. bar. Wow. I think it's Cubbyhole didn't put, yeah Cubbyhole didn't put itself out there as much as Henrietta's did. You know, like Same. I feel like I didn't get hip to the Cubbyhole game until I like really started to like. Yeah. flare my lesbian wings and and then it was like oh there's this other place you know yeah. we, we either start or end our night here i was like oh what's this other place cool yeah, yeah. Hold, kind of used to fly under the radar so you know for the the folks listening to the podcast who haven't listened to your podcast let us know where you are how many of the 25 lesbian bars have you visited so far and what are the ones yeah. that kind of stick out the most to you oh we visited every single oh, yeah, one. All right, all right, you finished oh, yeah. you finished it yeah you visited We're all in- of them yeah we're in well there are some that are like that have just opened so we have to do kind of another sweep but we've been to like 22 or something um but ones that stand out well we love the san francisco one which is Mm. wild side west and they have 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 you heard of it or have you been there i've been there i've been there Mm. the garden and just like the aesthetic of the whole place is gorgeous it's very unmatched (laughs) it's so cool are there like tomatoes growing i feel like that's that like kind of i wouldn't be surprised i wish no so you know like the community gardens in brooklyn where there's kind of just like mismatched art and sculptures and stuff and like Mm -hmm. kind of junk in there that's Mm -hmm. what their garden is and it actually is junk like that was Mm. a really fun anecdote for us to explore which is that like people used to leave garbage either like on like throw it through the window or leave it in front of the place because they like didn't want a lesbian bar in the neighborhood oh, wow. and then they like turned it into art and put it in the garden it's just like that's oh, really smart so cool reclaimed how, it how much of um the sort of the replacement how much of these of the the gay the lesbian bar scene has been replaced by queer slash mixed parties because we've talked about that a lot when we brought this up with other guests and it feels like these parties, the bars get replaced by these like mixed parties that I also feel like is kind of a cop out and not fair. (laughs) Yeah, I think there's definitely, um, I think in general, there's been a shift towards more inclusive language and uh, a lot of uh, kind of newer establishments and a lot of these parties are hesitant to label themselves as strictly a lesbian party or a lesbian bar because that is pretty Mm -hmm. limiting in our- post non-binary world which like we like I we think is great like that's we we should be more inclusive in our language and more welcoming in our language and that needs to adapt and change with the times um and uh that said I also think there's this like piece that you're talking about where like there are these there are a lot of these like pop-up parties where it's like the lesbians get Wednesdays. Yeah, right, yeah. Right, right, we right. can't What's fill the, the slowest bar? night. <laughs> yeah, like, well, I can't I fill love... the bar with the straights on Wednesdays. So I like, love a the Wednesday night party. I'm just saying, <laughs> I love a sensible weekday bar outing that is more. Everyone decides to leave at eleven o'clock and get home just in time for like a nightline moment. I enjoy that. <laughs> 
it breaks up the week nicely. It's like yes. recovering <laughs> from the weekend, getting ready for the next weekend. I do want to ask you, Jen, if you like part of me thinks that like the queer scene, when queer bars were sort of coming out, especially during like Stonewall era into the 70s, et cetera, the bars often, I don't think necessarily were intended to be gay male only, but then of course the patriarchy and men defined them as male only and women were fine, but it was like, it was clearly the, the it was very male centered and they became that I think, and they're still like that. And I wonder if like, even though bars are using more inclusive language now, like, it's still like, if I go to like, I'm thinking of any of the bars that like I perform at, right? Like I do drag and I like performing at those bars, even though women are there, it's still very much a gay man's bar. And like, is it just, is the language just sort of like a pretty bow around something they're trying to just avoid from happening? I mean, potentially, I mean, like think about a place like Stonewall, right? Like it is, it's a, it's predominantly men, but you know that like, the women usually go upstairs. I yeah. think that it, you know, Stonewall ha it has evolved and it's it's all inclusive. But when I think of, of that typical bar, um, it it feels like it feels like a guy bar. Um, yeah. But and you know, Cubbyhole, Henrietta, Gingers—they have that kind of lesbian bloodline. It's yeah. it's it's still there. The studs are still there. Um, you know, I don't I don't remember the last time I went into a, a gay man gay men bar. Like, I don't, I don't, yeah. I think I went in my, me too, like, by the way. Either. Yeah, yeah. Me either. I don't either. <laughs> yeah. Right. You guys are like pass. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, so I can't really speak to, to the, you know, that side, side of the coin. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, all right. So I'm, I'm sorry, but it, I, I, I really, I just need to know a little bit more about these Oklahoma lesbian bars. What are they like? <laughs> How rural are they? Like, what was that experience? Like you yeah, said there were three, wear? right? Wear? Yeah. Right. Good question. The Oklahoma bars were awesome. Those were yeah. like some of the ones that we talk about wanting to go back to the yeah. most. Um, okay, big thing about that, which we tell everyone, is that two out of the three bars had smoking inside. Oh, wow. I don't know yeah. if that's like shocking to you guys, <laughs> yes. but we like afterwards, I was like, I thought that was a, like federally illegal. Yeah. <laughs> and right, it's just right. not. It's totally legal in I mean, Oklahoma, even in the St. Louis crazy. airport. I'm from St. Louis, Missouri. And even in the St. Louis airport, I just went back recently with my boyfriend and we passed the old smoker's lounge that just like last year, they changed from the smoker's lounge to like a the maternity war. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, seriously, yeah. that's hilarious. <laughs> the breastfeeding I mean, room. Yeah. Oklahoma is pretty lit, you know? Um, our, one of our favorite places too was Frankie's. Mm. Um, and we, we actually got to go there. They they potted through the pandemic. So every mm -hmm. Tuesday night, this, you know, group of like 15 or 20 people, mm -hmm. they specifically potted together so that every Tuesday night they could go there just oh, then wow. and be Great. together. And the owner opened the doors. Obviously the owner was, was part of the pod. Um, oh, and wow. it just so happened that we got to be there on Tuesday. Yeah. Uh, so we got to meet like, you know, all of them and, and hear about them and the whole scene. Yeah. Um, and now, even though there's only 25 uh, of these bars nationwide, do you still like when you go on a Tuesday or a Thursday or a Friday, are they always busy or are they sometimes slow, um, you know, much like any bar? Like, did you get like little pangs of angst if you go somewhere on a Friday night and they're not like super busy? I feel like they're pretty busy on weekends, but yeah. we made an effort to go on not busy times. Oh, okay. So we were seeing like a lot of 
That's Dead how I bars. go to bars. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, Alan goes to bars and reads. Anyway, yeah, right? sorry. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, you're, the, you're that person? Hey, yes. He is. Sorry, uh, Sarah, no, go ahead. <laughs> no, it was just easier to like talk to people and and like less. We were exhausted. We were like not partying that much at all. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. we would go at 4.30, like feel oh, it wow. out. Um, oh, but- I love that. I would have gone with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we have but, some more to do. Let's go. Come let's on board. Oh, I am down. Oh my god. When I they open, I think so they are right opening one Literally, in LA. I do think oh. the idea of a lesbian bar. Now I'm going to say this because it. I feel like it's it's. I feel like it's why I love lesbian bars is because when I was a kid, 1995, my family had a just decision to make of movies. Right, they wanted to go see Batman Forever or the film I desperately wanted everyone to go see Boys on the Side. Nice. And which is like, I think one of the best lesbian films of all time. So good. So, so good. good. Mary Louise Parker's an accidental lesbian. I mean, could it get better? No. Oh. Uh, and, and she dies of AIDS, but that's a long story. So <laughs> we, <laughs> we, spoilers. And, and like in the film, I'm like, they basically just created a lesbian bar in Arizona. And like, to me that, and they're all just like sitting around singing with the Indigo girls while Whoopi Goldberg like does weird dances. And that is yeah. a lesbian bar to me. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's just, it's what I hope for in everything. I And I feel like they, they kind of can still have that feel, you yeah. know, especially on your off nights, you know, even gingers still feels like old gingers, you know, that kind of like, you know, crickets in the corner. It's like not spooky, but it's like a little bit dead. And like that vibe of just like white tank top jeans, like true, like old school mm-hmm. lesbian vibes. I have never, um, I've never gotten, um, more hateful looks than when I went into a ginger's when I lived in Park Slope. Oh, right. I was like, get out Me of here. Too, I was like, so. yeah. no, and I was like, I'm full on res- full respect, full respect. Uh, out of here. Well, I also want to ask you guys, obviously you are focused on domestic lesbian bars, but is there like a big lesbian oh, yeah. bar scene worldwide? Like, um, no, you should, you're Kevin, we Google haven't that. tapped into it. We, we would have to dive into it. I, I went to one in Greece um a few years ago it was like really uh, like awesome very hard to find though oh i don't know why maybe our google maps wasn't working but it was very hard to find yeah um but we went back a couple times that was cool but we haven't dove into you know anything across the pond or in other countries yet Mm -hmm. someone one of our one of our patrons had messaged us about going to canada next oh yeah you should should that would be wait rachel i wanted to ask you because before we started recording you had mentioned of an you had talked about an incident in venice was it i think you brought venice oh venice beach in la oh yeah and i and even i mean is there a lesbian bar there and what what happened what what happened okay there's no lesbian bar there there's not the opposite of a lesbian bar there (laughs) let me tell you there's no lesbian bar in la but we're coming down the west coast we have some friends there we're like okay we're gonna like add a night to our trip we're gonna we're going to stay in LA. We're going to see our friends. Car gets broken into. Oh, All our stuff gets up. Our home. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Um, so that was a, that was a little road bump, but now we're it like, was... we're like, we're never going back to LA. We hate no. it. We lost our tent. And <laughs> yeah, right. They we didn't even need to bar. go there. Yeah. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You were traveling. Like you were, you had a tent that you were sometimes staying in. Yeah, we camped yeah. maybe four or five That is the most lesbian nights. way of traveling I have ever heard in my life, and I love <laughs> it. But the fanciest person of the group, Miss Sarah Gabrielli, slept in the car on this, oh, like, really squishy girl. foam mattress. That's what nice. I would have done. I yeah. get all I the seats done. down, and, like, yeah, I created yeah. this, like, beautiful 
full just like pod for herself yeah. um and i was you know rachel and i were in the tent I, mostly i was terrified and hoping i was going to make it to the morning well venice so, is definitely a place worth being terrified of especially on the beach yeah venice, <laughs> venice beach is a little it can be a little yeah, sketchy we, we literally stayed like right on the beach Oof, and yeah. we just Oof. didn't we didn't think about it we didn't realize and i, I went to go get something from the car the next day yeah. and everything was <laughs> all messed up and Sarah oh. had gone into the car the night before and she was wicked stoned and I was like what was she looking for like she absolutely destroyed in the, thought I like the smashed the window then I realized the window oh. was smashed oh that oh, sucks God. yeah but for, oh. for 30 seconds I was I was cursing Sarah being a being a disaster and messing things up I still can't get over <laughs> that you were camping I mean I am fully mm. like uh give me a red roof in <laughs> You know, I know I love a hotel. I love our first hotel. night. Our first night we camped. Uh, we got to Pennsylvania pretty late, set up in the dark, and there were like coyotes or something mm. around Oof. making noise. And I ran to the car, screaming to them behind me, like, "Don't hurry up! Let's go! Let's go!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the right. Shut the no. doors. We're all in the car, and I'm like. No. I look at Rachel and I said, well, now what do we do? Like, we can't just sit in the car. Right. Like, yeah. We, yeah. The coyotes are going to get our food. What do we do? You literally had a goofy that. movie moment when Big mm. came. Like, that's uh-huh. literally what you had. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Truly. I have, I have a question. Yeah. If you guys could open up a lesbian bar anywhere in the country, what, like, community oh, or city is, like, you think most deserving or, like, prime real estate for a lesbian bar? Mm-hmm. Ooh, that's oh. a tough question. Oof. Los Angeles. Yeah, probably Los, probably Angeles, Los Angeles. It's right? so big, right? No, no, they don't care about Los Angeles, though. Yeah, but no, we're not care. coming back to Los we're Angeles. Not, yeah, we're yeah, not yeah, living in right. Los yeah, Angeles. Right. Um, <laughs> honestly, my friend and I are talking about, you know, the type of place that New York needs. We still feel like everything's kind of mm-hmm. really niche, and we just mm-hmm. want to see like a, you know, like a multi-level, really big, you know, drag yeah. nights, trivia nights. Mm-hmm. You know, you can watch your eight o'clock a.m. soccer game, like just everything that you would want mm-hmm. in kind of like a, a queer space um, that doesn't smart. exist in New York. So we're, we're thinking about, you know, trying to open, open up something like that. Yeah, yeah that's, that's, that's that great. great. Well, we, oh. well, let's, let's hope that that, that comes true. Fingers crossed. I mean, she's, cool. she's, she's the backing. I'm, I was like, I can't contribute monetarily to this, so, <laughs> I, but I'll help right. you out. <laughs> right. Um, well, Ellie, Ellie will send you a check for $250,000. Perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's a, that's a tough one. I would say New York just because I want, I want more. Yeah. Well, we, yeah. one of my favorite stops was New Orleans and they didn't oh, have any, just there New Orleans is so That good. would be cool. But I also That's feel like true. New Orleans is one of those cities where the actual, so like, I mean, I've been to New Orleans a bunch and especially into the gay scene. And like, one of the things I noticed about the New Orleans gay scene is that it is the most mixed gender, race, mm-hmm. everything gay scene. Like they don't, in it's opposite of big city bars like New York, Chicago, Los Angeles, where men can kind of take over spaces and it becomes a gay male bar. It's separate in, in, in New Orleans. It's sort of just like, it literally is a big party and everyone comes and it's just, it's, it's that big Frida vibe. You know what I mean? It's that whole sort of, it's, I don't think, I don't even think normal gay bars would work in New Orleans. You think Mm. that space is just created within itself because it's New Orleans. I think there's something about New Orleans that sort of, that could be the template, should be the template for every major city, that every Mm. bar should be mixed both with gender and race. And and that's that's also something that I loved about St. Louis gay bars is that there were some very much gay male bars that I, I definitely experienced. But of all the bars I went to, I never would go to a lesbian bar because half the bars I went to were very sort of, mixed with everybody i mean everyone mm-hmm. was kind of there i think mm-hmm. because there was lack of options and so it mm-hmm. was sort of 
a lesbian slash gay male slash, you know, urban slash trans slash drag bar. It was like everything bar. And it was kind of, I, I loved it. Yeah, you definitely know. I, I mean, I still think it's pretty particular. You know, I don't don't find many places like that, yeah, at least really not in the ones that we visited. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, okay. I do think oh. that is kind of the vibe in a, a number of the quote unquote lesbian bars that we visited, especially in, in areas where there aren't as many options for mm-hmm. gay yeah. bars, queer bars like Frankie's and Oklahoma City I think is like a perfect example of being like totally mixed but also kind of having this like history of being a lesbian bar and lesbian owners who kind of protect it as a space that's like not going to become a specifically gay male Mm -hmm. space and Mm -hmm. I there's also like I mean I think just in terms of reframing it like I remember when I was a kid in St. Louis it wasn't so much that we would go to like a bar but we would go to like a lesbian owned and lesbian operated um coffee house called Mokabee's and that was like where everybody went and so like my foundation was essentially going to like a lesbian bar quote unquote but it was a coffee house and it was just uh-huh. and, and it's so I think there's like room for spaces to not just exist within sort of the framework of like nightlife you know like it's because I love a 4 30 p.m moment yeah right absolutely <laughs> well, we, when we visited um when we were in dc we talked to um a couple folks that used to work at a league of their own oh yeah um and they just opened up their own bar called as you are bar and that was right right guys that was like kind of their they wanted something like they wanted to be open in in the middle of the day and have coffee and That's great. They, they wanted like more of a community um atmosphere and i think they actually just opened their space a couple weeks ago and and that you know they were like come in for coffee like it's wasn't necessarily about like the nightlife the entertainment yeah. the, you know the alcohol alcoholic beverages that kind of thing. i'm gonna have my friend I, listen oh, to go there because i want to know more about that place yeah i love how the names of lesbian bars though very much are like so open they're like it's as so you nice. are yeah and like gay bars are like buttholes taint uh, taint house taint taint house <laughs> Raw factory wasn't th- or therapy i used to go to therapy with a friend therapy is a, therapy is oh, a, right, is a right. gentle term i mean yeah. and by the way it's like can we suggest it rather than just say it um, on a broad scale? But guys, thank you so much for being here. We're so happy to, to finally get you. And uh, uh, where can people follow you and the podcast? Uh, okay, so you can follow Cruising at, um, at Cruising Pod on all social media platforms, except for Twitter, we're at cruising underscore pod. Mm-hmm. Um, you can go to our website, cruisingpod.com. You can join our Patreon. Yeah. Um, and if you're hiring an audio producer, you can reach me um, <laughs> at my personal email, sarah.c.gabrielli at gmail.com. So awesome. Can people follow you on Instagram as well? Uh, if you want them to. Cruising yeah. or me? You. you. You can request to follow me on, on mm-hmm. Instagram. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, and what about you, Jen and Rachel? Where can people find you? Yeah, uh, you, you can, can go ahead. <laughs> I mean, you can, you can follow uh, the Cruising Pod page at Cruising Pod, or you can follow, if you okay. want to follow my personal Instagram page and see like gardening pictures, um, <laughs> that's, I, I think it's at just at Rachel.carp. I love it. Yeah, and you can get me on Instagram. I'm Rody Girl at R H O D Y G R L. 
represent Rhode Island, roadie girl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but follow cruising it. because it's way more exciting than I am. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you <laughs> so, so much, much, guys. We appreciate Thanks it. so much. Appreciate you guys. Thank you for Pleasure having me. Thank you. This is awesome. And another thing. Okay. So I wanted to conclude this week's episode. It's uh, all because about I was you. on a flight. Everything is. Alan, Alan, <laughs> it is all about me, quite frankly. Mm-hmm. Uh, no. Um, I was on a flight recently, and this has become sort of a theme in my life uh, where I really want to be a flight attendant. <laughs> it just seems. You would be seems, the worst flight attendant. I would be. Oh, I'm true. so bad with customer service. You would be. You are? When people are rude to me, when people yes. are rude to me, I'm instantly angry back at them. Oh, but yeah. I think uh, if it were your job, you would behave. <laughs> no, no. I, I, I got into trouble at Kaplan and I got into trouble at, as a bank teller for like being openly oh. rude wow, to people who were. Yeah, yeah. But, but with that said, so much. I love it. I know, I know, I know you do, Alan. Uh, with that said, uh, the reason I bring this up is because it's like one of those, being a flight attendant is one of those professions that is just so predominantly like, I would say older women and gay men. Yeah. And, yeah. but it seems so fun and the perks are incredible. Oh. It, yeah, they, they travel Every, they, they can they're, go they're anywhere they a, want. They're on a time. There's like no time, no space. They're always flying in a tiny uh, claustrophobic tin can, serving other people wearing like polyester. And they're vests. not even spending oh. that much time at the destinations they, they're traveling to. Well, oh. it, first of all, excuse me. How dare you? Uh, <laughs> I know more about this than you do, and they do. Like if you uh, like, I, I met a guy. Now this is of course international, but I went on a date with a flight attendant a few years ago. And he said that he does like uh, like the route to like Hong Kong once or twice a week. And every time he goes, he can't work for 24 hours because he works so long in a row. So yeah. he gets every time he goes, he gets a day off in Hong Kong and then he comes back. And like that's like that's all he does for well, money. Yeah. And wh- talking- whenever whenever he wanted to go anywhere in the country, he would just tell someone at the company, I, I would like to go to Kansas City. And they would like route him through Kansas City to like have an evening there. Okay, it just sounds fun. Think about it. Think about like, sure, he's doing international Hong Kong trips, which I'm sure I don't know how people work their work themselves up to sort of certain levels of flights, but I have a feeling he probably started on the domestic New York DC flight route, Ugh. and literally <laughs> he does that. that like sounds four great. Times. Those are great cities. Oh no, also, I mean those are great cities, but you're not spending time there. You're literally flying back and forth, back and forth. Oh my god, like, yeah. There's you like don't want, you, you don't just need lose to spend your concept days. of time, and you get well. I mean, what's but what is like being? I mean, to me, and this is just my opinion, I'd rather be able to like make a living doing what I want and making enough money that I can go to Hong Kong for yes. a day, two days, three days. Oh, and, and, and Mr. And not doing it in uncomfortable clothes and serving people. And oh, just the claustrophobia of it all makes, seems like a nightmare. And you might remember my uh, past boyfriend of mine when we first started dating was like ready, to, right before COVID was like about to go into uh, yes. becoming a flight attendant. And I yes. was like, oh, why? <laughs> I, 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 I think it sounds fun. But with that said, but my, my ultimate question is, are there any like, quote, gay cliche professions that you ever dream of doing things that are, you know, professions that are when the men go into that profession, they tend to be gay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm thinking fashion, hair, hair and nails, flight attendants. Are there any of them that you've ever thought you could or should do? Elliot's is spot on. Elliot's is spot yeah, on. Yeah, I could. I mean, I, I, I could do one of 
one of two things. One, I could, I would love to be an interior designer. Mm -hmm. um, although there is a ridiculousness to being excited about, it's not ridiculous, but there is an absurdity to being excited as an adult about things that are just, that just sit in your home, but you're like excited about them. There's something yeah. that I find very tragic about that, even though I engage sure. in it, yeah, <laughs> but right, right. interior design is really fun and interesting to me. And also the, a lot of gay guys tend to be party planners. Yeah. And I think those are the most ridiculous, <laughs> like that, be, that job is you think ridiculous. You'd be a great event planner. But I'd be yeah. a great event planner. I'd be really good at it because I like yeah. exploring and I'm very resourceful that way. So I think, yeah, I think- And the, and the cookie parties. selection at all these parties would oh, yeah. be spot on. Absolutely. We know that. We know that. Yeah, what about you, Alan? fun. It's like- yeah, I struggled with this because like I- every i don't know i inherently i am a, i am a very lazy person like fundamentally who i am as a person is incredibly lazy <laughs> and so i don't want to work ever i don't want to work i just want to be able to show up places do something well, how do you do that as a gig like what is a gig i do what's the version of a gig i doing that uh, that's what i'm saying so like i I, I like doing nails, but I only like doing my nails. I would hate doing someone else's nails. So mm. I can't do that, you know? I do mm. think I'd be really good in the fluffing industry. Um, right, right. <laughs> but, but then that. again, you have to leave your place to do it. And I just don't, I don't yeah. even care enough. I think I would probably do okay in like a really, really slow barista. You know what I mean? Like a slow yeah. coffee house. <laughs> Where one of those like weird coffee hunting. houses that opens yeah. at 10 in the morning and you're like, yeah. what is the yeah. point of this? Yes. And I would never take that shift. I would always take a night shift. And, <laughs> yeah, I, are, and I, I would just be so lazy and people would wait a long time for coffee and it would reflect upon like my, my performance, but I wouldn't get fired because I'm so funny. <laughs> I, I, do you think flight attendants were predominantly were and are predominantly gay because it's just a way to like travel and meet more people like meet more gay men in like different places um good question i have no idea i do think the travel question. component is a big big part of it i don't necessarily think it's about meeting people but i do think that oh. you know queer people in general often don't have as many children and so oh, the, you. the freedom to be able to have a job that allows you to travel places at a discounted rate is a very desirable job for someone who wants that sort of work-life balance. And I think travel, I think I think flight attendants have a, a really wonderful way of sort of wanting that work-life balance. They don't wanna work a traditional job. They don't wanna have an office and a thing yeah. and all these things. They wanna have an adventure and do something different. And, and that's the vibe I get. So I think that aligns with queer people a lot. Yeah, wasn't there like something about like, we were talking about this in the podcast within the last year that like Utah, like train conductors in Utah, like a hundred years ago were always gay. <laughs> do you remember this, Alan? Oh, I, I do remember this conversation. Yeah, what was that? I can't I remember. I, and I think I questioned it a lot because I was like, this No, can't no, because you, you would, heard, I remember being like rolling my eyes because I'm like, oh, it's another oh, thing Alan yes. No, I do remember of. that. I do remember this conversation now because it was, it was a particular route or something. I remember looking into it at the time. Oh God, what is that? Yeah, only like, that? like, like, like uh, uh, anyway, I, I should have I should have done more research before bringing it up. But I guess the last question is, you know, for all these flight attendants who kind of go around the country and they're maybe pursuing, you know, promiscuous means or whatever, you know, who do you think you are, Elliot Glazer? I mean, come on, <laughs> how dare you? He's unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> 
What would your aunt say? What would your aunt Ramona say about something she heard today? I want to hear more about a lesbian bar called Meow Mix. <laughs> is she a cat lady? She actually is. Um, oh wow! Uh, yeah, like when Love her it. first, when her like her main cat died, she uh, went silent for a year. She didn't email oh, anyone for did. a year. Oh, oh wow. she absolutely did. She's, I mean, she's deranged. I hate her. She went. Go ahead for a year. Yeah, in, in like the nineties. Wow. Yeah, Michael like and I were just email talking me for about a year. how funny it would be if you went on Survivor and you were like my baby dad and then at the end of survivor it's revealed that it's your cat the baby cat for <laughs> sure uh my aunt joanne would say potty planner i've been to your bar mitzvah don't become a potty planner uh, yes. <laughs> i need i need footage of your bar mitzvah by the way we've oh, seen it do not we've seen I do not you showed it before right i think i have it's rough, I've seen it's it. rough. <laughs> wait it was in the movie uh, it was in it was in latter-day jew i think yes it was in latter-day yeah. jew oh, oh. Yeah. No. Well, How I about Aunt Anne? My Aunt Anne would say, I've never been to a lesbian bar, but I've always wondered what it would be like to go out with Rosie O'Donnell. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for listening. Uh, support your local lesbian bar. I'm Elliot right. Kutcher. And I, Alan, you cut me off again. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know what? I'm not signing off. No. That's okay. They don't remember your name anyway. <laughs> oh, you son of a bitch. <laughs> Oh, that's Brent Sullivan, ladies and gentlemen, and I am H. Allen Scott. Hear the music! <laughs> <laughs>